0: I live in Mississippi. I've spent pretty much my whole life in the hospitality state. Uh, Other than a few years in New Orleans as a little kid and a few other years in a tiny town in Alabama called Satsuma, just like the Orange, just outside of Mobile. But other than those years, I've been a Mississippian for better or for worse. I've been taught about its history from the times of Hernando de Soto taking credit for a river he found to when settlers from North Carolina settled a wilderness. I've seen maps that showed the times when Alabama and Mississippi were once one big landmass and how they were split down the middle like a set of conjoined twins. I've studied our checkered past as well. One where little white kids and little black kids were brought up side by side playing together. But then for some strange reason, the little white kids were later told that they were better than the little black kids and so life had to reflect that. I've talked with people who've lived through those times and have learned that they don't always fit their stereotypes. And the funny thing was, was that they learned that I didn't fit mine either. I've spent time looking into the culinary traditions of the state, taking one for the team, I guess, and thoroughly enjoying every minute of it. Everything from my aunt's oyster dressing on Thanksgiving to a pig ear sandwich at the Big Apple Inn on Ferris Street in Jackson. I've seen how whole families come together around the Thanksgiving table. Only to be divided again later that evening once kickoff starts for the Egg Bowl. I've seen how LSU fans and Bama fans who live in Mississippi roll their eyes at the rivalry between the Rebels and the Bulldogs, but then they wonder why we roll our eyes right back at them. I've worn shorts and a t-shirt on several warm, muggy Christmases, and I've prayed my pipes wouldn't burst during the longest freeze that I've ever experienced last winter. I think we went something like 42 hours under 32 degrees, something unheard of in Mississippi. I've jubilantly praised God for air conditioning and openly cursed the cost of replacing an entire central unit during the middle of summer. I've written on the blues, I've walked a mile or two in the shoes of privilege, and another mile or two in the shoes of want. I've heard some great stories, witnessed a few tall tales of my own, and smiled as a few out-of-towners settled into the slower-paced ways, arriving at a place in their own lives where the word y'all became part of their own vernacular. It's the land of good old boy policies, but very transparent pain. It's the land of Roy Bryant and Emmett Till, of Byron De La Beckwith and Medgar Evers. It's the land of William Winters and Ross Barnett, the University Grays, and the fall of Vicksburg. Junior Kimbrough Hills from Mississippi, as does Conway Twitty, Elvis and Muddy Waters, and don't forget B.B. King. Robert Johnson, Jimmy Rogers, Oprah's from here, though sometimes she's not too keen on that. Freedom Riders were murdered here, and James Meredith became more than just a name here. Segregation was a thing and integration became one too. Our flag is a topic that separates people. I mean, it is the only flag left in the nation with the battle flag of Lee's Army of Northern Virginia in use. It's a hot topic to non-Mississippians and an even hotter topic to us inside the state lines. A topic that was voted on in 2001, a year when I was too young to vote, I might add. According to statistics, we're generally the fattest state, generally the dumbest state, Generally, the state that is the easiest target if you need a punchline. What on earth could Mississippi produce? Well, art, music, leaders, and so many stories to accompany these things that I promise you that there's not enough time to tell them all. One thing that we take pride in is probably one of our greatest natural resources as well as one of our greatest exports, athletes. There's Jerry Rice, Archie Manning, Deuce McAllister, Brett Favre, and of course, sweetness, Walter Payton. The Super Bowl 51 champion Patriots had two Mississippians on its roster. Steven Goskowski, who is on my fantasy team, by the way, and Vicksburg's own Malcolm Butler. There's the fantastic story of Marcus Dupree that was told by Mississippi's own Willie Morris, as well as that of Steve Air mcnair from Mount Olive. There's Fred Smoot and his tenure with the Vikings. They loved boats for some reason. Charlie Connerly, Booby Dixon, Mikey Espy, Jamarcus Sanford, and the Jerry brothers from Batesville. And that's just football. I haven't even begun to mention a small handful of baseball players like Dizzy Dean, Cool Papa Bell, submarine-pitching Chad Bradford, Jeff Brantley, Boo Ferris, and Hunter Renfro. Or basketball names like Chris Jackson, who you may know as Muhammad abdul rauf Monte Ellis, and Murrah's own Mo Williams. Female athletes know how to compete in Mississippi as well. Athletes like Jennifer Gillum, Margaret Wade, Muriel Page, Mary Mills, Brittany Reese, Ruthie Bolton-Holifield, and Bianca Knight. Of course, we have names like Ted DiBiase, and Ted DiBiase Jr., Ricky Steinhouse Jr., Robin Roberts, Johnny Vault, and Ron Polk. All these names. And I haven't even scratched the surface of the athletic talent Mississippi has given the world. There are still athletes in college waiting their chance to alter history, and even more in middle school and high school who just know that they're the chosen ones. So where do we begin in the canon of sports history? Who's to be our guide through the layers of good and evil of our past? Who's to be our Virgil? Well. John, and his brother, Henry. Remember, I've set out to find those people from all walks of life. I want them to impress upon me their stories, from those who get along to get along to those who make the waves that move the world forward. Everyone from who's who to who's that. I want to meet them all. This is, I like the cool little setup in old school Jackson, like we're literally right over here by the train tracks. We are. Yeah, this is cool. And you said there's trains that
1: come by often. There may be one come by this interview, so it that, may get really loud. That's and fine. We'll just that'd be cool. Pause and I will drink some coffee while well, that's cool. That's fine.
0: I'm good with that if that happens.
1: How did y'all get this spot over here? We wanted something in Jackson, in the city, close to us. Uh, we live in Bellhaven. We looked around at a lot of different places, and this sort of fit the vibe of our company. Um, it was cheap enough for us to afford as a startup company Uh, but it's in a good area of Jackson Um, it's low key it's got a good you know working vibe it's not too clean or too dirty Um, we were sort of looking for a you know a warehouse kind of feel right um, and some space where we could also build a studio and stuff uh, which we've done sort of across the hall from us so this was sort of a place that was close, it was nice enough, but it was really, you could roll up your sleeves and work like filmmakers and, you know, stay until, you know, 11 at night
0: if you want, we sort of live over here sometimes. That's good. Henry and John Wiener are from Jackson. They grew up in Jackson. They went to school in Jackson. They played ball in Jackson. And they eventually both left Jackson. But chance and opportunity brought them back home in order to put their skills together to tell the stories that have given Mississippians pride throughout the last century. There's almost always a magical feel when someone outside your world tells a story about you, almost as if you finally made it to notoriety. But sometimes outsiders get it wrong, maybe not necessarily wrong. I mean, they do tell us the X's and the O's. They describe the aesthetics, and they even pronounce some of the words right. Looking at you, Gautier. But an outsider may miss the essence. Who better to tell the story to guide us through than someone who knows it firsthand?
1: Uh, I grew up a huge sports fan in Mississippi. I always knew that I wanted to do some sort of sports broadcasting for a living, um, whether it was sports writing or play-by-play or, you know, anchoring on television. Um, I grew up in Jackson and grew up a huge Mississippi State fan. My my mama's whole family is from Louisville, Mississippi, so five generations of Mississippi State. And I, I, you know, grew up immersed in Mississippi sports and reading about it and the storytelling and um, you know I used to be so excited to go out every morning and grab the clarion ledger and look at the box scores in the major leagues and read people like Rick Cleveland and Rusty Hampton and Rod Walker um, so I was such a huge sports person growing up. I played all sports in Jackson. Baseball was sort of my, my big love, but I, I played, you know, basketball and golf and soccer and football and everything else and went to Murrah high school, knew again that even when I was at Murrah that sports media was what I wanted to do. I wanted to play baseball, obviously yeah. professionally, but when I realized I wasn't good enough to play it. Uh, I had an idea that I'd be good enough to sort of cover it or or talk about it in some aspect. And he was. Um, Mississippi was such an amazing, interesting place to grow up. And it all really stuck with me, just how important our sense of place is in Mississippi, uh, the pride we have in the city of Jackson, the pride we have in the state of Mississippi, and how much sports means, you know, to... Everybody. So it wasn't just me growing up like as a sports fan, but also growing up in a sports culture like Mississippi, where it really got down to the root of like everything that I was about as a kid and that my family did and uh, so many other families. So I went to Trinity University, uh, was an English major. Uh, Trinity's in San Antonio. Yeah, and um, was an English major there. It's good. Uh, it. I was
0: an English major.
1: Uh, it's the way to go. <laughs> you know, I started out doing communications. Yeah, because I wanted—I knew what I wanted to be. Right. I wanted to do sports communications, but it was boring to me. It was straightforward to me. Um, it's it like was, a formula. It was a little formulaic, yeah. as opposed to you know English literature, where you get everything—you get history, you get sociology, you get. Um, you know culture philosophy whatever it is it's all in in literature and um you know when you were in the communications class a mm-hmm. lot of it felt like self-evident and i was like i just want to do it um so i broadcasted play by play football at trinity university um i started a radio podcast out there uh i did tv i did internships every summer in new york city um for slam magazine and new york daily news and abc news when i was at trinity that were really like the most influential things that I could have done wasn't anything that I did in school but it was working in those professional environments in the summer in a a place in a market like New York City yeah but after Trinity so I I had such an amazing time there in my classes studying English developing a sports writing career already Um, and then I went to Syracuse University and got a master's in journalism which was a one-year program, so it was a no-brainer for me um, to get a uh, master's in broadcast journalism from Syracuse. That was where I learned how to shoot and edit and do all the television stuff. Right. Because I had done radio, I had done writing, and I said I want to learn the TV part of it. So I did that at Syracuse for an incredible 13-month experience, worked at ESPN Radio in Washington, D.C. After that, um, as kind of the end of your graduate program. And then came down here in Jackson and started at Fox 40 News um, in 2011 and have just had a an absolute blast living here six, seven years now. Never thought I would be here that long, but right. it's such a great place to do what we're doing to cover sports.
0: John was finishing up with Syracuse while his brother was knee deep in a film career in California. You see, Henry earned a bachelor's degree from a small school in upstate New York called Columbia University, and then decided he could spend a brief amount of time earning an MFA at another small school you may have heard of called Stanford. There, he was creating award-winning documentaries of his own. The boys from Jackson had moved on from their Jedi training and were official Jedi Masters now, looking for a foe to slay. And just like any good Star Wars film, two Jedi Masters are always more formidable than one.
1: I kind of came back here just as you do after grad school, like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I'm going to go home and live with Mama for a couple of weeks. And there was an opening at Fox 40, like right away. And it was ideal for me, man, like be on TV. Jackson's a good starting market um, because I knew the area and knew high school football already. So it just kind of happened for me to come back to Mississippi. I never, like I said, I never planned on being back here. But as soon as I got here, the sports opportunities were available and... Um, I've done it ever since. I mean, I was on TV for two years and then Fox had a merger with WOBT and I didn't survive that merger yeah. as it can happen, but went right to ESPN radio and then had my own show on ESPN radio for three years in the afternoons. It was, it just kind of happened for me. I was here for a while, um, doing what I was doing, have a lot of success and a lot of sort of ex- exciting things going on in Mississippi. Um, and my brother was in California. Had just graduated, gotten a master's from Stanford in documentary film, and was making good films out there and was having success. But it's really expensive to live in California. (laughs) And he was really just kind of on his own and not doing projects he was really excited about. Right. Um, He did a lot of great films for, you know, different organizations, causes, short films, what have you, in California. But he made more of a change than I did in moving back from California. He came to Mississippi, and I would say at that point, we had been talking kind of around it and had been talking about it ever since he had gone into media, Um, you know, filmmaking when I was already in sports media, that maybe one day we would join up. And so when he was ready to leave California and he came back to Mississippi, and I was itching to do something different, something more. Um, than having been on, you know, daily radio and daily television. And it just kind of, once he moved back here and was looking for, you know, okay, what's my next direction as a filmmaker? And me as a sports media guy was looking for something deeper as a way to put all of my skills together, writing TV and really tell stories. We said, let's do this. Let's make sport films. We were both in the time in our lives where we didn't have... You know things holding us back. If we were going to do something like this, start our own company, go out on our own, try to do something big like this between the Pines Project, now was the time to do it. And so we, we took a huge leap of faith and went into that.
0: You probably already know this, but having a partner in a fight tends to help out. You've got someone who can watch your back and also someone who can lend a different set of skills than your own. You're not buckling from all the pressures because you've got someone you can lean on. When that person is your brother, there's a chemistry that enters the equation that's been brewing since childhood.
1: Now, it's funny, like, as I think back, since we were little kids, we've been performing together. We've been on stage together. We had a family band together. We used to make backyard movies and we used to, you know, act like the Bash Brothers. We would, you know, go and play out those scenes in our yard every day. It was McGuire and Canseco. And we've always sort of created and performed together. And so it was neat kind of how it all Came full circle a bit organically, um,
0: you know, I'd say three years ago. So, yeah, you've got a natural connection. I mean, having your brother and having him in the past, but juxtapose it with one of two things he, him going to California, right? The land where you go to get soft, you sure. going to New York, the <laughs> land where you go to get hard. Then yeah, we both everybody's come back down. weathered and mean and <laughs> yeah. tough. Yeah. You come back, both of you come back down to the deep south. Yeah. Okay. So then that, but then also you're transitioning from. Kids in the backyard making movies to yeah. now adults with expectations, how did all of that come together, and how has that worked?
1: We had confidence and, and faith and excitement like in our abilities yeah um in our talents to sort of put together you know we had both i mean. You know, I joked about making you know making backyard films, but we had both done a lot. I mean, my brother had done you know he had done award winning feature length films in California. So I wasn't you know as much as he's my brother, I wasn't going to leave my everyday radio show on ESPN and drop all that if I didn't have faith that like he was the right person to partner with, brother or not. Like if I didn't fully believe in his constitution as a director, you know, he's the director, I'm the producer, I write, he handles the film. That's basically the division of it. I never would have made that leap, so I would have needed, more you know, I needed. He was at a perfect point where he had had success and he had made um, significant films in California that had done really well because I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say I don't know anything about it. I knew TV, I knew video, and our skills support each other. Right. It's very important. It but, one of
0: his bit, with well, the big one was the, the traveling rabbi. Yeah, well, he did wandering rabbi, which wandering was rabbi, uh, yeah. uh,
1: won a lot of awards here in Mississippi. Yeah. That was a shorter film, and then he did a film um, about the. Uh Forest system in Oakland that's like still being sold and still being distributed yeah. out there that was absolutely magnificent so making a documentary um is is hard and daunting and challenging, and I never in a million years would have said on it on my own you know film merits right I knew my, what I brought was I knew that I had the connections and the knowledge and the you know the engine to make it all happen my idea the story concept making it all work but yeah. in terms of actually creating the film I needed to have faith in him uh, from the
0: start faith in yourself and faith in your brother is one thing but putting out a product that moves people is a completely different animal it's not like Mississippi Sports was a new project that had never been spoken of before. Remember that list that I rattled off at the start of the episode? These are ground-shaking, earth-moving names. Faith in yourself goes only as far as the mirror. When your audience is used to the taste of rich Mississippi athletics, you go all in or not at all.
1: Mississippi, though, Robert, um, was really our our, our, our faith um, in that we knew that I won't say we knew, we bet on, um, Mississippi and Mississippi sports fans specifically being hungry for content like this, um, Mississippi being a, a passionate sports state really like no other. Um, this wasn't just, okay, we're going to make films. Like let's, let's find a film we're going to do. Let's Uh like pick a topic. It was very much out of the idea (laughs) that we're going to come together and tell sports stories in Mississippi, Believing in our ability to tell those stories, but also betting in a way on the audience here in Mississippi and their desire for like the kind of stories that I think we were, we were ready to tell. So it was a leap of faith in a lot of ways, but there were both from our own perspectives, like having proven faith and a proven concept in our own abilities, even though none of us had ever done anything to this scale. That yeah. was the leap. Um, faith in us, but also trusting in,
0: in what everything that we knew about Mississippi. The people who, the financial backers and the people that were going to help with interviews and whatnot for the project, what initial feedback did you get when you came to them and said, hey, we want to do this? That's an interesting
1: question and a good one. There were a few people at the very start whose blessing we sought, whose kind of counsel and advice we got to sort of back us on this. Again, I believed in the idea from the start, sort of a home run idea of putting Mississippi's greatest sports stories on screen. Um, But there were certainly people that had to open some doors for us, turn some keys, sign off on it on various ways to people that – i'll mention immediately were rick cleveland and bill blackwell um rick cleveland has become a great friend of mine and has been so instrumental in um a lot of ways very early on and so i don't have to explain why having a guy like rick in your corner and having his name on it to start off with was very big for us and rick believed in it all the way and rick really encouraged us and was excited about us for us to do it in a way that he hasn't even been able to tell these, you know, Mississippi sports stories on screen like this. So Rick was great. He set for a couple initial interviews with us. Rob J did as well. Bill Blackwell at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame kind of opened his doors for us and let us uh, get a lot of footage that we needed initially mm-hmm. to do some pilot interviews with Rick and Rob J, just kind of talking about Mississippi sports in general. The process of okay, well we had to. First, you have to like just kind of sell the idea right. um, to people like Rick, and then you have to go a step further and sort of sh- sell your proof of concept a little bit to then get in with people that we talk with like Archie Manning and to get Lance Pogue to open his doors for South Panola. And then one step further after you get that, then you have to go not only have proof of idea, proof of concept, but proof of product. Right. Uh, And then that was how we got the sponsors on board. So it was a huge step, Robert, at every turn in terms of getting people on board and getting people behind us. So Rick, Um, was a big one. Rob J., Bill Blackwell. I mean, countless people. I mean, guys like you know, Jay White at ESPN Radio. um, People very early on. And that's what's so exciting, though, Robert, is that when you talk to people about this, about Veterans Memorial Stadium, people's eyes light up. When you talk about the University of South Panola, people would say, We've been waiting for people to tell this story. Yeah. Everyone in Batesville said, You know, well, this is where, where have you been for so long? Right. And people had tried to make this, and that's a, where you go to sort of proof of concept. People had, and not throwing shade on anybody here, people had tried to make the SP documentary before because mm-hmm. it's a story that's been, you know, it, it's, it's, it's past now. That was actually one of our challenges. Yeah. It's, it's really no longer the USP as we know it, but during the time, you know, you sell the idea. You go in there. You um, you take everybody's time. You bed for a week, and then no one ever sees the film. It's that difficult to sort of finish it. And yeah. so, even you know, Lance at Basel said, "Well, we've been down this road before, and I never saw or heard tell of it." Um, so, but at the end of the day, um, again, it was people's just you know, people's eyes light
0: up yeah. when we would tell them what we were doing. What was the feedback that you got? Because you know, you're talking about um, it being a story that's there I was I was watching it at the house and uh it was the 89 and 0 game the state yeah. championship and I was fresh out of college and I went and saw that game and I went with my brother-in-law who was in high school mm-hmm. and had lost to South Panola that that year and Meridian, lost yeah. to Meridian as right. well. Right. And so we're I shoot a snap to him and I say, we were there. And he sits back and goes, yeah, we were. It <laughs> was cold. I was like, it was yeah. cold. Yeah, It was cold. A good story about that one was there's a there was a fellow in front of us who had brought some homemade water it looked to be. Uh-huh. He was a lot warmer than the rest of us. I tell you that. <laughs> that but Homemade uh,
1: water is the trick, man. I tell you what. But, uh, my homemade water is brown. <laughs> <usually>.
0: <laughs> what kind of feedback have you gotten from the first episode? Very positive. Really positive feedback.
1: No negative feedback is even better, right? right. We haven't right. had um, you know, any people say, you know, a negative is this wasn't, you know, what or, or what we had hoped, or this um, the feedback across the state has been really, really positive. Um, so many people who knew the story already certainly said you guys did a great job with this. So many more people who didn't really know the story. And like for me, I guess that was a light. That went on because it's like, I mean, USP is like, it's ingrained in every fiber of me. You know what I mean? I know the story inside out. And so people would even ask me, well, what'd you find new in the shooting? And and that was a more challenging question because I have, like I said, this was a, I always knew it would be the first story that we would do because... High school football in Mississippi is king and Panola right. being king of high school football. I mean, it was um, it, it, it was I know the story so well, but it was neat to hear so many people, non-football fans, non-high right. school football people who didn't really know, say, I just had no idea that this went on for this long and that there were so many different coaches and that it meant so much. And all of these things that we tell in the story, the feedback has been great. The numbers have been good. Um, We were really excited about some of the early returns here in the metro area, especially in Memphis as well. The baseball people were excited about it. Um, So the feedback has been really good. We've been very excited and, and encouraged and grateful for it.
0: How have you used that to go into into transitioning for episode two? Because it's about the vet, it, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump from yes, where not we far, are. man. I drive by you, it like every day. You know, my very first, I graduated from Ole Miss. My first Ole Miss game, I was a second grader. Cub Scouts group went uh-huh. for my birthday. This past October... We took my daughter, who's in second grade, to her first Ole Miss game. But I remember my first Egg Bowl was right over there. Awesome! Everybody I,
1: has their stadium story. Absolutely. So
0: I remember. Yeah. I remember that. I remember being a tenth grader. I was a water boy when uh, Clinton High School went to the state championship. We didn't yeah. come back from the state championship, but yep. we went to it yep. with Teddy DiBiase. Ted Junior was Million our baby, quarterback. Maybe. You know, it yeah. was it was great, and and I have so many different stories. How do you take such a large place with a large history and get it down within time? It's a real challenge, something that we're not going to come
1: close to being able to tell the whole story and all of the amazing events and games and moments and impacts that that stadium had. There's no question about it. Um, We have about... Forty-two minutes, actually, um, of runtime on the television stations because we have to pay for this whole thing, right. which means you have to have commercials and advertisements. Right. And that was probably the one feedback that we got on the first episode is that man, I just hated when it went to commercial, <laughs> and I'm like, I was celebrating when it went to commercial, man. I poured another drink every time <laughs> it went to commercial. Um, so obviously, from the you know producer's point of view, uh, but when you honestly, when you cut it down to uh forty two minutes and I have to build in the television commercial times. It's an immense challenge. Yeah. There are going to be entire subjects and topics and certainly games that people will say, This is what I remember, where was that? And why why, you know, uh this legend was not mentioned and this play was not and that's just part of it. And I wish that we had two hours to tell the story. Yeah because that's really what we need. And I knew that going in. I mean, Rick Cleveland told me at the very start, he said, it's such a good idea. It's such a great story. I don't know how you're going to fit it all into an hour. Well, that hour became... forty. When you get down minutes. to the execution, came became even less. Uh, so it's a huge challenge. And the answer is you do the best you can, but you live with the fact that there's going to be a lot of stuff that you won't be able to tell. But our hope is that... Almost on the flip side, we are attempting to tell the whole story sort of through the decades from its inception, you know, in the late 1940s as a World War II memorial all the way up into the present day and the discussion about it. So because of that, yeah, you, you cover more time, but you're liable even to miss out on even more of the details. So it just depends on... You know, you just have to make decisions in terms of how you want to structure and tell the story. And our hope is that we're going to tell the stadium story over time, sort of from a a, a slightly bigger picture uh, point of view to really get at like the impact that it had on college football in the South and Jackson and the state of Mississippi.
0: I do like the commercials I've seen where, you know, one of the guys I think has got one of the guys from Provine was saying that you know it didn't matter who was playing yeah. white team black team white guys black guys whatever we're going to watch and yeah. i do very much remember going to watch state championships i didn't care anything about 3a football but i'd go watch 3a football at the vet and yeah. it was it was a big deal so i'm i'm glad y'all are putting that out there that's
1: more of the stories that we're excited to tell people know the State Alabama game and the immaculate deflection and Archie, and so, and we will certainly dive into all of that. And right. State fans and Ole Miss fans and uh, SWAC fans with Valley and Alcorn and Jackson State, um, will all have their moments. There's no doubt about that. But what was cool for me is learning how important this stadium was to Mississippi society, yeah, Mississippi race relations culture in Mississippi, the economy of this city, all of these, I won't say non-football things, but uh the impact and the connections of this stadium to so much more than football and a lot of it does go to you know even important moments at that stadium in the civil rights struggle specifically all the way to um, you know, seeing some of the first integrated football teams in Mississippi, crowds for the first time integrated, teams for the first time integrated, all happened right there in, in, in that stadium as well. So um, we're I'm equally excited to tell and for people to learn sort of those aspects of it as well, you know, the doubleheaders and all of those neat things.
0: What kind of hurdles and failures have you had to overcome in this process? Oh, man, you got... Two more hours on this podcast? (laughs) I mean, technically, I have zero amount of time that I'm liable to. It's just me. That's
1: exactly what we'll need. (laughs) Um, A few of the big hurdles have been finding the right, team and getting it in place. We were a startup company doing this for the first time. Um, in addition to learning everything our, our own selves, I mean, I'll be I, I'll be the first to say that it's been a thousand sort of stumbles by me and my brother just kind of figuring out and going through the process for the whole time. But making feature-length documentaries, two of them, mind you, takes a lot of people. Yeah. It takes a lot of manpower um, from shooters and... Uh, PA people on the ground, to certainly your big editing team afterwards, to graphic designers. Um, so it's been getting the right team in place, and we had to go through a lot of sort of different variations, additions, losses there for various reasons. Um, but putting the the right large team in place, which for us now is probably you know eight to ten people working yeah. constantly at this point, in addition to like just you know your six to ten man teams you go out and shoot with. But putting the right team in place uh, has been a chore. And the whole post production process, you know, making the films is one thing, but the rights, the clearances, the copyrights, the archive, the footage, the TV network, the sponsors, the broadcast elements of it are not done. Yeah, Yeah, when you're done, you're not done. And to do it to the level that we've been trying to do, you have to you have to dot all the I's and cross the Mm -hmm. T's and do all the small details that can be really expensive. That can take a lot of time for maybe one or two seconds of film, but that can make all the difference. So the biggest challenge for us has not necessarily been in creating the stories and filming them and producing it, which we've learned so much about. There's no doubt about that. um, And hopefully have improved every day. That's my goal here is to just keep doing it better and hopefully bigger, but it just in terms of, of, uh, the execution of it all from the people that you have doing it to all of the, the things that you need to make it, not just a, f- a film that you put on YouTube, but uh, a, a series statewide uh, really sort of full broadcast series event as we've tried to do has been, you know, the biggest
0: chore to wrap up. What's the larger goal? Where do you see bash brothers media? Where do you see you going? Oh, I
1: don't know. I'm going to hit you with the, you know, <laughs> you kind of have the Nick Saban, trust the process, your next opponent, all of that. No, we, um, we would certainly like to continue this series. Um, there's so many great sports stories to tell. Uh, our hope is that this is just the beginning of the Between the Pines series specifically. Um, there's some different things that need to be happening and contracts that need to be signed, quite frankly, yeah. uh, to get it going. And again, all of this, it's, it's um doesn't get done for free. No. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And it's far from free. It's much closer to the other end. <laughs> uh, so our goal with the series is certainly to do more. We have more stories planned that we're excited to tell that we'll be able to. Um, and as far as Bash Brothers Media goes, we, we believe in, in multimedia. Um, we do other projects in terms of, uh, videos for, you know, causes in Mississippi, you know, nonprofit groups, things like that. We stay away from just sort of straight commercial videos, but I I just, I, I would just say that both for the series and for a company, um, in Mississippi that's focusing on sports media, the... Opportunity, the audience, the content that you have here is unlimited, and we would like to be able to tell more. Of Mississippi's greatest sports stories and even Mississippi's current sports stories, um, certainly through feature-length films, um, but also you know maybe more of of a daily regular thing in on a lot of different media platforms. Yeah. So you know this has been a, such a huge project. Uh, we, we have things to do immediately in terms of turning the key on it uh, after it airs in in three weeks. The second film and. Uh, moving on and hoping to build off of it, but um, you know we hope that the future is is bright. All for the same reasons that I talked about that made sense for us to you know start out on this journey two plus years ago in the yeah. first place.
0: If you haven't had a chance to watch the first installment of Between the Pines, I'm not only encouraging you to do so; I'm pretty much telling you to go do it. Mississippi is a state of great storytellers. And great stories. Place down there. it's the kick. It turns. There's a lot of history here that needs to be told. I mean it, it was special.
1: No, it wasn't a myth, it's real life.
0: It is just a phenomenon. It's a social phenomenon. The second installment of Between the Pines, the VET, is a feature focus on Veterans Memorial Stadium here in Jackson. So many names have played football in there, as well as worldwide marching band competitions and much more. It comes out on November 17th and 18th. If you're in Mississippi, check your local listings. If you'd rather catch it online, jump in the Google machine and let Google do its thing. I encourage you to watch it, and I dare you to keep in mind that it was produced and directed by two boys from Jackson. They tell athletes to play with a chip on their shoulder, right? Same goes for Henry and John. Same goes for you. From Who's Who to Who's That is a production of Hairpin Media and is put together and hosted by me, Robert Chapman. If you know someone who has a great story, hit me up on Twitter at @ChapmanRobert. Special thanks goes to John Weiner and Bash Brothers Media. Our theme song is Naked in Red by Jackson's Own Colorable. If you've enjoyed the journey, subscribe and share what you've heard and be sure to leave us a review. Be on the lookout for more and keep your heads up for your own chance to meet anyone you can. From who's who to who's that.